Disney Roulette is a movie review podcast in which we discuss, in detail, the movies available on Disney's streaming service. In internet speak, that means, spoiler alert, you've been warned. Also, while Disney films are safe for the whole family to enjoy together, this show is not. Listener discretion is advised. All that said, let's do this shit. to Disney Plus Roulette, a magical movie review podcast. I'm your host, Kate. And I'm your ever-loving husband, Bob. I mean, I'm loving you, not the audience. I'm pretty sure that was clear. Yeah, I think that's pretty clear. I think this is going to be a really long episode, so we are just going to jump right into it. AKA, she's putting the leash on me, guys. A little bit. (laughs) First, we're going to start out with some Brass House Media news for the first time ever. The Brass House Media store is open. I don't have podcast products up quite yet. I've been... Uh. There's the beer. (laughs) It's a (laughs) great episode already. (laughs) Yeah. I've been focusing on getting the hundreds of dollars worth of resin items uploaded to the store so that they wouldn't just be sitting in storage anymore. I was really hoping that some craft fairs would be up and running by the end of the year. But that is not going to happen. Uh, So rather than just letting all of this stock sit around in our house, we're trying to raise money while Bob's out of work. So that's been goal number one. Resins are in. Though there isn't podcast-specific stuff in the shop yet, there are tons of wine glass charms, bracelets, and necklaces for sale. There's tons of Disney stuff in there, including items made from Disney park maps from way back in 2000. They make great gifts, so if you're looking for an affordable Christmas present and want to support the podcast, that'd be a great way to do it. You can find everything at browsehousemedia.com store, and that's browse, B-R-O-U-S-E. Also, the second episode of Bob's D&D podcast, I Roll Die with a Little Help from My Friends, is up. I just listened to it the other day, and it made me laugh a lot. Episode one was kind of getting everybody together, but I think episode two really starts to develop the group dynamic and it's a really good time yeah we had a lot of fun recording it and kate did a great job and i think for her first time playing D, i think it was a great representation of you know what it can be and what the perils can be and how much the dice hate you oh man yeah that was that was a rough episode <laughs> we'll do some dice shaming eventually yeah is i was not doing some great roles in that one so uh how about we move on to some news the first bit of news that i have is that there is going to be a black beauty remake coming out for disney plus it is going to debut on november 27th and obviously it's a new version of anna sewell's book it's going to star mackenzie foy kate winslet claire forlani and my boy ian glenn Ooh, from interesting. game of thrones who of course plays jorah mormont I want to say I'm excited about this. I liked the movie Black Beauty as a kid, and then I went and watched it as an adult, and it just made me really sad. <laughs> a lot of really bad things happened to the horse. I mean, 
generally Disney animal movies, yeah. something bad's going to happen to the animal. Yeah. So Go back and watch our badger episode. Yeah. So I want to say I'm really excited about it. I am psyched about the cast for sure. But as far as the movie goes, I can't say I'm going to be the most stoked if that one comes up on the roulette wheel. Yeah, that's definitely one of those books I was supposed to read in elementary school and definitely did not. (laughs) The other bit of news that I have isn't so much specifically Disney Plus, but Disney in general. They released the trailer for the new Disney Studios film, Raya and the Last Dragon. It's Disney Studios, so it's the same people who did Frozen and Moana. It is in theaters March 12th, 2021. (laughs) Sure, sure it will be. Yeah, fingers crossed. And obviously it'll hit Disney Plus sometime after that. Watching the trailer, I think it looks cool. It's definitely my kind of jam. I love like old temples and things like that. But man, was I watching a trailer for Avatar The Last Airbender? (laughs) It definitely pulled a lot of (laughs) elements from it. I want to be mad at you for that joke, but it was actually really good. <laughs> yeah, it was. She even looks like she's kind of dressed from the the South Water Tribe. The mask in the trailer kind of looked like Zuko's mask of the Blue Demon. There's just a lot of elements pulled together that just, it screams like they're looking for that audience to love this thing. Which, maybe that's what's going to happen and, and people will rally again around it. Or hopefully they won't rally against it as a knockoff. But it looks pretty good. And I mean, it's Disney, so it'll be successful probably. Yeah. I think my only kind of disappointment in the trailer is that Disney has definitely established this new animation style. All of their CG people look exactly the same. Yeah. It looks like Moana. It looks like... Tangled. It looks like Frozen. Yeah. I just, I kind of miss each movie having its own distinct feel a little bit. And its own kind of quirk to the animation style. I mean, there were quirks in the old animation style. I, I I will give the, like, if you look at a Hercules and uh, an Ariel and uh, they're generally, like, their skin tones were kind of the same. And the way they did things were kind of the same. I mean, don't get me wrong. Hercules had a style where it had that outline on it and different things. But generally, a Disney animation was a Disney animation. Yeah, but I feel like... Ariel looks different than Jasmine, who looks different than Pocahontas. Whereas I feel like all you have to do to really change between Rapunzel, Moana, Raya, and Elsa is to like slightly adjust their skin tone and change their hair and eye color. They all have the same facial structure. They've got like the weird, really big eyes proportion, like even more exaggerated than the old 90s cartoons. I don't know. I just, I kind of want them to look slightly more realistic I think because they've gotten so good at making all of the environments look so rich and realistic yeah they don't have to necessarily look like realistic people but just add some variety to the animation style of the people because the background and the environment entangled to me look quite different than Moana and looks very different than Raya so they're changing all of the other elements but I feel like not really making any progression as far as changing the way the people look or like kind of giving the characters their own animation feel. I don't know. That's nitpicky, well, we'll but see. we'll see. It looks good. I'm excited about it. Yeah. I'm. Uh, long story short, we're both excited for it. She showed me the trailer and yeah, it's a good time. Of course, Armadillo. Tuck, tuck. Oh yeah, that Armadillo is real cute. I'm into that. Not in a creepy way. That sounded creepy. 
I just love I mean, a cute animal. <laughs> you're not into armadillos. Right. <laughs> They're quite stanky. I'm just, I'll just be honest. Oh, God, but. they do smell really bad. Uh, I'm under the impression that you've got some Marvel Minute corrections, Bob. Uh, yeah, so I'm really trying to do better about bringing reliable source news. I'm trying to bring you only confirmed things. We had stuff from Reliable Trades saying that Tatiana Maslany is our She-Hulk. We all celebrated it. And then this past week, she went to an interview and denied everything and said that she hasn't even been contacted by Marvel and she doesn't know where this has come from. So, who knows? We still could have Alison Brie as our She-Hulk, which is my first pick, our first pick. I think we've talked about that a few times. Who knows? Who knows that, you know, maybe there was something misconfirmed or maybe they're just keeping it secret. Who knows? Marvel is, you know, notorious for straight up lying to us to make sure that something stays secret. That's the biggest news that has come out since we last recorded. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how that whole thing plays out. All right, let's get into our movie. First off, we're going to start off with our drink. Our movie this week is Halloween Town. For our special Halloween week episode. That's right. I know we said we we're going to follow the die always. Last week we rolled for prom, but it's Halloween season. Bob had never seen Halloween Town. That is not allowed. So <laughs> we're doing a special Halloween episode and we watched Halloween Town. So next time we will do prom. That's right. Promise. <laughs> <laughs> That's two in a row, drink. Yeah. One and a half. <laughs> Ouch. Speaking of drink, our drink this week is... Oh, I didn't name it. What should I name it? Hmm. The Goblin's Kiss. Ew. I'm just trying. <laughs> Let's see. How about Aggie's Brew? There you go. It starts off with one shot of honey. Oh, oh, I know this. I know this recipe. It's a vampire's fang, a werewolf's hair, <laughs> and a ghost's sweat. That is a very important recipe, but not the one for Aggie's Brew. Mm. This is made up of one shot of Honey Jack, a half shot of Fireball, and then pumpkin beer of your choice. I recommend not a spicy pumpkin beer. One of the times yeah. we tried making this was with a pumpkin beer we had never tried before, and that thing was like drinking a bucket of cinnamon and allspice before the Fireball. It was not great. So just a, a solid pumpkin beer with not too much spice. We happen to be using Sam Adams Jacko because that's all we could find. Because apparently yeah. pumpkin beer sells out in August now. Who knew? Who knew? So, uh, cheers, Bob. Mm-hmm. All right. I have a couple little trivia things for you. Ooh. This movie was filmed in St. Helens, Oregon, and the town welcomes tourists to this day. They have a Spirit of Halloween Town event in which fans can explore the town. And the city was actually gifted with the giant jack-o'-lantern after production, and they display it each year for the event. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I thought that was fun. Grandma Agnes has some similarities to Mary Poppins. When she first appears, she's on a flying bus, and she descends to the ground from the flying bus holding an umbrella. And she's also followed by a carpet bag that is a TARDIS. It's bigger on the inside. And what's cool about this is that Debbie Reynolds was actually considered for the role of Mary Poppins before Julie Andrews was cast. Hmm. So that's all I got for you, trivia-wise. So let's get into this movie, because let me tell you, this movie is dense. To just be a Disney Channel original movie, I felt like a court stenographer 
taking notes during this movie because there was not one scene that did not have some important character development, plot exposition. They trimmed the fat out of this bitch in a really impressive way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I didn't know what I was going into. I didn't know what to expect. It's another Disney original. So my bar is normally set pretty low. No offense, it's just production value. So I expected, you know, a school production value of a movie. And Kate is right. They packed this movie. Every scene has something important and some development happens. Yeah. Uh, so the good and the bad of that is that I've got a lot to say about this movie just to give you guys enough information to be able to follow what we're saying. So we're going to try not to just summarize the movie for 45 minutes. We'll try our best. So the movie starts and we meet Marnie, played by Kimberly J. Brown of Quince fame. This was actually her first Disney movie. Mm. Marnie is 13 years old. She is in love with Halloween. She wants to go out and party with her friends and celebrate all things ghoulish and demonic and Wiccan. But her mom will not let her. In front of all of her friends at her house. Yeah. Marnie's like, come on. And all of her friends are like, it's, it'll be so much fun. We'll be safe. We'll be back early. Yeah, we'll make sure we take care of her. And, and mom is a downer. We do not speak of Halloween, essentially. We also meet her little brother, Dylan. He is super nerdy. Uh, if you guys are wondering what a prepubescent bob look like. <laughs> no, it's it's serious. Like, she's seen Accurate. the pictures. <laughs> you put this in the 80s, and that is me. It's, it's kind of scary. Yeah. And we also meet her little sister, Sophie, who is staring wistfully out the window at the trick-or-treaters. And she wants so badly to be one of them, but alas, she cannot. No. Marnie mentions her mom and dad meeting on Halloween, and her brother shushes her. Mom does not like talk of dad. No, mom does not. Now, let's just uh, put this in perspective. Mom is played by Judith Hogue. Anybody of my generation would know her as the 1989 or 1990s version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles' April O'Neil. So, in my headcanon, Elias Katiath was Casey Jones, and he plays dad. He doesn't in actuality, but in my headcanon, her and Casey Jones got together, and this is where this picks up. No, I support any headcanon that includes Elias Katiath, because I love mm -hmm. him. He's amazing. So we get a quick cut to Debbie Reynolds, a.k.a. Grandma Agnes, arriving in a flying bus with her magical carpet bag. And man, does she do some heavy lifting in this movie. Yeah. Debbie Reynolds was in this to win it. She did not look down on this material at all. You could tell she had so much fun. She was into the magical family warmth feeling of it. Every second she's on the screen, it's so delightful to watch her work. I mean, even compared to the kids, she's waving her hands over a cauldron and clearly that's what the director told her to do. She was like wholeheartedly like, I'm doing magic. I believed it as much as I did in the Harry Potter movies from her in this movie. Yeah, and when she passed away, God rest her, and Space Mom, my generation, a lot of our heartbreak came from knowing her from this movie. Like, she was oh. like our imaginary awesome grandma. I saw this way before I actually saw Singing in the Rain. I saw Singing in the Rain when I was in high school, I think. Maybe late middle school. So this is where my Debbie Reynolds heart has always lied. I just adore her so much. What's really funny is when I was a senior in high school, now this is putting it back in day. Honestly, when was this come out? 98. So 
I was a senior in high school in 2000, so this was actually two years after that. I had the opportunity, and I turned it down, because I didn't know who she was or anything. Like, I was just a dumb teenager. I turned down the opportunity to go see Debbie Reynolds in concert in 2000, which was two years after this. What? Yep. That's insane. Yeah, it was at the Bloomsburg Fair. Uh, we were given two free tickets. Me and uh, CJ were supposed to go. And we were like, nah, we don't want to do that. We, we just want to continue having fun at the fair. And uh, yeah. Oh, man, what a bummer. Teenage you is stupid. Oh, yeah. Me now goes, holy crap, Debbie Reynolds singing in the rain. Leia's mom. Like, that's huge. I would have totally gone to see that. Yeah. Oh, by the way, if people aren't familiar with Debbie Reynolds and why we keep bringing up Leia, she is her real-life mom. Yes, she is Carrie Fisher's mom, and she unfortunately passed away just like a day or two after Carrie did. Yeah. Essentially from a broken heart. But let's move on to happier things and celebrate her life. Exactly. Cheers to that. Drink. Drink. So we cut back to the house and Sophie is getting in a fight with her mom because she wants a cookie. Her mom says no. Sophie turns around and crosses her arms and she's pouting and she's saying, I want that cookie. I want that cookie. And while her back is turned, the cookie raises off the plate and starts to float towards her head. Ooh. But mom grabs it and shoves it in her mouth before Sophie can see the cookie come to her. Which then, of course, Sophie's pissed because she thinks that mom is stealing cookies when she can't have them. Yeah, what a bitch. But then Grandma Agnes pops in and interrupts the fight and everybody's excited because Grandma's here. Like I said earlier, she's basically got a Mary Poppins bag overflowing with candy and decorations and garlic to fend off the vampires. She's a Halloween time lord. Grandma showers them with gifts and candy and it's all a fun time. And then they go to dinner and after dinner, Mom and Grandma talk while they're alone. And we get a little bit of exposition there. Dad has passed away. That's all we really know. And Grandma wants her to move home. We don't know where home is yet, but we know Grandma wants her and the family to move home. And after that, Agnes goes upstairs to tell the kids a bedtime story about this place called Halloween Town. And the kids are all totally enamored with the story. They think the concept of a city that has werewolf barbers and stuff is super cool. And Marnie, like, curls up in bed clutching the book because she's like, this is my life. This is what I'm supposed to be. I just feel it in my soul. There's a, a young girl that she's like, that looks like me. Yeah, and she's like, it is me. I know it's me. So Grandma goes back downstairs and she and Mom are talking again. And this time Grandma reveals that Marnie is a witch. And if she doesn't get trained on how to use her powers by the end of her 13th year, she's going to lose them. And mom wants that to happen. She wants her to be a normal kid, be a human, just like her husband and her son, Dylan. Okay, this is, I think, probably my biggest issue with this whole movie. And this is just a personal thing. Other than dad was a mortal, there's no reason given to why being a witch, having powers, having these cool things is a bad thing. That's true. I'm assuming that maybe something bad happened to dad, magical, but they don't really. No, they don't deal with it, it at for sure. all. And me, as a person who lives in a normal world like all of the rest of us, and if you don't live in a normal world, please contact me ASAP because I have always wanted something supernatural, something a superhero, super something outside of the norm to happen in my life, that call to action. I've been waiting for this my entire life. And then 
Mom has this whole thing where she's like, yeah, she is a witch, but I don't want it to happen to her because reasons. And I'm just like, and I hate you. I instantly hate April O'Neil. Boom, done. I I mean, I agree. I I think certainly at 13, like she's not two. She's old enough to start making her own decisions for sure. So I don't like yeah. that her mom doesn't really give her much agency. But I can also see it, especially if her husband died by some kind of supernatural force. Which we don't know. Which we don't know. But if that did happen, I could 100% understand her wanting to do whatever she needed to do to protect her kid. I can't fault her for that. I can't fault her for it, but at the same time, giving that person the, as you said, agency to make your own decisions as a human being or as a witch in this case, it's just very, very one-sided. Yeah, I I don't disagree, for sure. So Marnie has snuck downstairs at this point, and she overhears this whole conversation, and she sees... Her grandma turned the leftover chicken from dinner into a live chicken. So she knows that not only is she supposed to be a witch, but she has seen proof of magic. And, pause, with a snap of a finger, she turns it back into fried chicken after mom yells at grandma. And in my head I went, that chicken not only died once and was fried and then was reconstituted back into a chicken and aware of what happened... (laughs) And then it's turned back into fried chicken. And I'm like, that is so cruel. Let's have a moment of silence for the chicken with its existential crisis and multiple deaths. Okay. We wish you the best, chicken. We wish you the best, chicken. So Agnes says that there is some dark shit happening in Halloween Town. And she needs another Cromwell, that's their family. She needs another Cromwell witch to help her fight them off. And Mom is like, yeah, no. I'm done. You should just go home. I'm not having anything to do with that. Neither is my family. So Marnie goes back upstairs and tells her brother she's a witch. And she's like, I'm going to go to Halloween Town. She sneaks off and Dylan ends up chasing after her. And they sneak onto the bus back to Halloween Town. The bus takes off and they are dimension hopping. There's like crazy tie-dye flashing light business going on. They're flying through the air. All of a sudden they look around and they are surrounded by witches. There's a Frankenstein looking guy and a dude that I'm pretty sure was a humanoid gremlin. Yeah, yeah, definitely a humanoid (laughs) gremlin. But on the bus, Dylan tries to rationalize this as, oh, maybe we're just on one of those charter buses from a costume party at the Moose Lodge. Like, this kid is going through hurdle after hurdle after hurdle to try and rationalize this. Yeah, he's very logical. He's struggling with this whole magic thing really hard. So they get off the bus in Halloween Town, and when the bus pulls away, Sophie's standing there. She has apparently... Fully dressed, not in bed. Yeah. She is apparently also snuck on the bus and we somehow never saw it. But whatever. Sophie's awesome, so we're <laughs> going to let it go. Yep. First person they really meet and talk to is the mayor of the town. And when they mention who they are, he seems very, very interested in their mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Creeper creep. He hails them a cab driven by a skeleton to take them to Aggie's place and reunite them with their grandmother. Which I have to say, as far as puppet work and it looking like bone, I was very impressed with the emotion and everything they got out of this skeleton. It was almost a cartoonic skeleton, but done in such a puppetry way that it just really worked for me. Yeah, that's my next note. Skeleton (laughs) puppetry is super legit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was not only puppetry, but 
there were robotic elements in his face. Like, he was an audio animatronic, basically. Yeah. And it was really impressive, considering yeah. that it did not have any eyeballs. Like, it just had yeah. empty sockets. He was really emotive. It was really cool. I was into that. You could tell that it was trying to look like bone, and he really did a good job of that. But it was a, like a rubbery substance that they had the animatronics of, like, the eyebrows were still able to move. And that's why I say it was, like, very cartoonic, because the bones wouldn't do that, but in, a, like, a cartoon it would. Yeah. No, that was probably the thing I was impressed with the most in the movie, was the creation and execution of that skeleton. So they get to Aggie's, but there is a huge fence around the house and the gate is locked. Marnie tries some stupid incantations that don't even really rhyme. Yeah, she she just throwing shit and see what's going to hit. Right, and none of it does really. But Sophie actually ends up opening the gate by just wishing that the lock would turn into a frog. Like you do. Like you do. So that's what uh, number one time that sophie saves the day yes hmm, interesting i'll uh, we'll just I'll keep a little tally of that as we go mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they go in and aggie's like you have to go home and they're like but we want to stay and she says yeah well time works differently here you can be here for a long time and it'll just be a little bit of time there so sure you can stay for a bit it takes literally no convincing to get her to let them stay what's interesting is she was like she was like it could be two days until you have to be back or two weeks. Like, apparently time is whatever the heck she wants it to be. I mean, she's Debbie Reynolds. It is what she does. That's right. She can do whatever she wants. She shows them this thing called the witch's glass, which is basically just a kind of a palantir crystal ball kind of effect, but it's in her cauldron. Yep. Just the surface of her cauldron is showing her things happening in Halloween Town. It's telling her that there is some bad stuff coming, and we see this kind of creepy... Almost kind of like Scarecrow from Batman. Kind of got like a hood over his face. Bat guy coming. So she needs to prepare the spell to fight this guy off. One of my favorite things in this entire movie. She goes to her microwave and there is a button on her microwave set to toil. As in bubble bubble toil and trouble. Oh no. It's not just toil. Oh yeah. They're all there. So she hits bubble twice and then hits the other two. Yeah. So she's using this magical microwave to help her prepare her spell but the spell doesn't work and she says oh i shouldn't have used instant <laughs> yeah. i thought that whole thing was super clever i really liked that a lot it was cute so they decide to go into the town to find the ingredients to make this spell from scratch but they have to be careful not to reveal their plan because we don't really know who can be trusted people in the town are starting to act not themselves and after that happens they mysteriously vanish and what partake are are the ingredients in this uh in this brew? Why those would happen to be the same ones that you mentioned earlier, Bab. A vampire's fang, a werewolf's hair, and a ghost's bead of sweat? Yep. Which, what? 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 Okay, whatever. Listen, apparently ghost sweat, you don't know. I get that. But vampires are known for fangs. Werewolves are known to be hairy. I don't know of a single time I've ever been told that ghosts are known for their sweatingness. <laughs> I'm sure there's got to be a Disney or Warner Brothers cartoon that at some point had a ghost sweating for some. I guess, but I just... Casper, he had to have had the nervous sweats at some point. Disney logic, I'm going to let it go. But it's just one of those things I want to point out and go, uh, what? While they're out shopping, they bump into her friend who we saw earlier and she was fine earlier. But now she's all evil looking and not herself. Yes. 
So after they bump into the friend, they run into the mayor and she tells the mayor, hey, my friend's not acting herself. All these people have gone missing. I think I might know what's going on here. We should do something. And he tells her to just let it go for like two days. Just give me two days. So obviously the mayor's the bad guy. Yeah, like I, <laughs> I looked at Katie and she kind of went, yep. <laughs> While she's talking to the mayor, Marnie wanders across the street to the broom shop. And man, all of the money that could have gone to those brooms apparently went to the skeleton robot. Because yeah. those brooms are $5 brooms from Walmart that are spray painted various neon colors. You went high dollar. I was going to say dollar store. Yeah. They look real bad. (laughs) They like consciously don't focus on them very much. Yeah. They barely show the tops and they barely show the bottoms. Even once she picks one out, like the one that she picks out for the rest of the movie, they just show the very end of the handle. Yeah. They're like, "Just just don't look at it. Just don't look at it that much. It'll be fine. So while they're there, they meet for the first time Luke. The skeleton cabbie has told us that Luke is kind of the town bad kid and that he sold his soul essentially to make himself more attractive. That's pretty much all we know about Luke. Which we could have known that he was the bad kid of the town because he has a chain wallet, duh. Obviously. That's the universal sign in the 90s that you're a bad guy. They run into him and he's a super douche and antagonizing them. Luke is a bad guy. We've established that. Moving on. Oh, by the way, Luke is the voice of Hey Arnold in seasons two and three. Yeah, Bob looked that up during the movie. And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh my gosh, I hear it. That's awesome. I can't not hear it now. (laughs) Yeah. So Marnie picks out a broom and she and Aggie go for a ride on it. And man, the CGI is not great. Nope. Nope, we're talking Christopher Reeve's Superman. That's what I was going to say. Think the original Superman movie. It looks really bad. It looks like, what was that, early 80s Superman movie? This is done in 1998? Come on, guys. Bob, skeleton robot. Oh, right, right, right. Clearly, that's where the money was spent. I wonder if this robot is a distant relative of Jeff Peterson. Uh, no, Jeff Peterson was definitely not nearly as advanced as this one. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you insult Grant Imahara's work. No, I love Grant, uh, but this one is, this one is much better. That was all really obscure Craig Ferguson Late Late Show references, so if you didn't get that, I don't blame you at all. (laughs) But if you did, let's be friends. Moving on. Surprise, Mom has shown up at Halloween Town, and she is pissed. I mean, it's mom, and she's a bitch, so. Listen, cut her some slack. (laughs) She was just written that way? Is that that what we're going with? Basically. (laughs) So mom tries to get bus tickets from a two-headed man who is arguing with himself. She's yelling at him. He's yelling at himself. Marnie is being a nasty brat and yelling hurtful shit at her mom. And this whole scene just gave me a lot of anxiety. And it went on for a while. Yeah, I literally consciously thought, wow, I really could use less of this scene. Yeah, this I think is the only fat that could have been trimmed was this one scene. But long story short, the bus is going to be many, many hours. So Dylan suggests that maybe the mayor could help and he could get them a ride out of town. So they go to visit the mayor and this dude obviously had a thing with mom in the past and he is giving off the creepiest of vibes. 
Yeah, I looked him up. He's done a couple different things. He's actually from Carlisle, Pennsylvania, which I'm from Pennsylvania as well. But he looks like an early Steve Carell. He's not Steve Carell, clearly. But just to give you that visual if you haven't watched it recently. He gave me some pretty strong Scott Cohen vibes. Uh, I could see it in the dark hair, but definitely not as hot as Cohen. And I'm masculine enough to say that. Oh yeah, no, definitely not as attractive. Just like similar shaped face and stuff. Mm. Uh, and then we get the introduction of his very, very, very random secretary character, who is like a human pincushion. She just runs in and she's got a giant pincushion around her waist and all of his notes are pinned to her waist. <laughs> I had to stop the movie and look at Kate and go, what the fuck just happened? Okay, we've got werewolves, we've got goblins, we've got Frankensteins, we've got two-headed men. What part of Halloween, what monster, what supernatural thing... Heck, Nightmare Before Christmas didn't have something as, as just weird as, hey, I'm going to be a secretary that is a pincushion. Like, because th that's, that's Halloween. Yes, but Bob, if she weren't a pincushion, she couldn't make the pun that the people who left the message were waiting on pins and needles for his response. At this moment, I would like to take the writer out back and shoot him. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> So then we go to the next scene. Luke has spotted Aggie in the street. He runs up and starts harassing her. He says that Aggie has Merlin's talisman and, quote, he wants it. We don't know who he is, but he wants Merlin's talisman. Yeah, he gets kind of creepy and like, oh, you don't know who he is? <laughs> yeah. And Aggie, being the badass bitch that she is, says, fine, take me to him. Let's do this. <laughs> we go to a scene with Marnie and her mom. Marnie basically gets her mom to admit that both she and Sophie are witches and that mom was hiding it from them. End of scene. Uh, yeah, no end of scene. No explanation on why she's keeping it from them. That's true. If you were hoping for any explanation on that, you are disappointed. You'd never get it. It's nope, done. Now there are three sequels. So maybe we find out in the sequels. And maybe, maybe. Uh, so we go back to Luke and Aggie. He takes her to the closed movie theater of the town. All of the citizens who have disappeared are there in the seats, and they are frozen. Creepy bad guy whooshes in through this giant portal thing, and he says that all of the people in the theater are alive and waiting for when he's ready to them. He's going to reanimate them and turn them into his evil army. And this dude is, like, basically Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> he's got a really pale, wrinkly face, dark hood, flowy cloak, and he shoots lightning from his hands. And yet he's kind of the scarecrow from Batman, as we said before. Like, the skin is wrinkly and whatnot, but it clearly looks like it's a bag, and he has a rope around his neck tied shut. And it's a definitely a different, interesting look. But I have to say, he also kind of looked like he was in a very bad production of Wicked that had gone wrong, and he was just going off on the improv scale because it was just flying and floating and like... Ah, I'm being menacing. And I'm like, I'm also dangling from this cable that I, I'm going to have exposition with you talk. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of him hanging from a cable with fog machines and fans blowing yeah. on him. And like super close up. Ooh, this mysterious air is churning around me. Feel my magical power. This is very much an in-joke, but it kind of made me feel like we were walking through that one hollow scream exhibit that went through the old 3D thing at Bush Gardens. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, and they just had like a dummy hanging up in the corner and a bunch of fans blowing yeah, on us. That, that's exactly what I thought of. Yeah, you right. You right. <laughs> so Luke is like, oh, this guy's actually going to do bad shit. Whoops. Fuck this shit. I'm out. And yep. Luke is like, deuces, I'm out of here. And he starts running for the door. Mom has followed after. She tries to cast a spell to stop him. But she hasn't done magic in a long time, so she just accidentally covers him with flowers. And yeah. he continues on his way out the door. Palpatine shoots a spell at Aggie, but Mom pushes her out of the way and takes the hit. So now Mom is frozen like the other members of the town. The kids also show up at this point. Aggie tells them to turn and run as she also gets hit by the freezing spell. And as the kids run out, a bunch of light streams in and the shadow creature recoils from the light. Yeah. And the kids are able to escape. Did you notice anything that was like, I don't know, this is one of my plot hole noticing things. Every other time that the bad guy would shoot the people, he'd let them go and go be evil around the street instead of freezing them. And then apparently he would go back and get them and freeze them and put them in the theater. But with these two, we just froze them. Maybe the other ones were slow-acting spells, and this was a fast-acting spell. It was just one of those things I was like, oh, are we going to get to see, like, those two in the evil, angry makeup, and that's what's going to make the kids go, oh my gosh, we have to do something. Nope, we just froze them. Oh, no, you know what happened? You know what happened? Mm-hmm. He prepared the other spells with instant ingredients. Oh. And with this one, he got the ingredients from scratch. From scratch. That's what happened. Always better to make everything from scratch, people. Speaking of, the kids decide that they must set out to get the ingredients to light up Merlin's talisman to create this wand to fight the bad guy. I love the fact that in this world, Merlin exists. Number one. (laughs) We don't even deal with that little note there. So first step is the hair of a wolf, werewolf specifically. They go to... The hairdressers, where a werewolf is a hairdresser. And Marnie is trying to convince him to give her a job. She's just trying to distract him while Dylan can sneak up behind him and grab some clippers and clip some hair. And one of the things she does is she picks up a blow dryer and turns it on and it shoots flames out of it. Yas, queen. Which uh, does (laughs) cause quite the distraction. And one of the other trivia things that I read was that the actress said that that blow dryer actually blew flames. And she was just standing there holding a a hair dryer that blows flames at 13 years old. It was basically a blowtorch. Got it. Yeah. But while she's doing that, Dylan sneaks up behind him and shaves some hair off his head. Oh, not just some. Like the entire back of his head. Yeah, he scalps him real good. And then the werewolf hairdressers, like not even being able to see it, just goes, I think I can pull this off. Yeah. You, you're you pretty familiar with accidentally scalping someone, aren't you, babe? Uh, I mean, it turned into a happy accident. I love you, honey. You've been waiting for that, haven't you? No, it just came to me and it seemed like a great time to mention that uh, I have a asymmetrical haircut. Hold on, hold on, hold on. That part was on purpose. That's right. That's right. And, you know, we live in that COVID life and Bob was cleaning up the buzzed side and maybe forgot to put the guard on and shaved me down to my head. Yep. That's all right. It was fine. It looked good. Yeah, it looked all right. And I've done it since then. So happy accident. Yep. Anyway, next they go to a health club where they find a ghost ever so conveniently taking a little trip to a swipe box. Yep. Like all ghosts do. 
Yep. And Dylan even points that out. Why do ghosts care about losing weight? You know, you do what makes you happy. You've died. You've had a rough time. You chase your joy. You do you, man. You do you. While Dylan is distracting this ghost with random factoids, Marnie turns the heat up super high to make him sweat a lot. And the distractions aren't really working. So then Sophie throws a towel overhead and pretends to be a ghost, which the ghost obviously is very offended by. It's kind of rude. Yeah. But it does the job. Sophie saves the day again. And the ghost is distracted enough that he just sits there and gets nice and sweaty. And Marnie is able to steal some of his sweat. And then they run out the door. Hmm. Sophie again. Interesting. Interesting. That's uh, number two. That's number two. Then we go to the third ingredient, which is the vampire fang. Marnie pretends to be a dental hygienist. As a dentist ever so conveniently is removing a fang from a vampire, she's standing there with a the little collection bowl, and she takes it, and then she bolts out the door. So we have all of our ingredients. Hooray. As they are leaving the dentist's office, Skeleton Cabbie pulls up and offers to give them a lift. But Sophie says, he's got the bad thing in him. It turns out she's right. Number three, Sophie saves the day. Yeah. And he tries to pull Dylan into the car. Sophie then unties a dog and points it in the direction of the skeleton saying, go get the bone. Yep. Sophie is the legitimate fucking hero of this movie. Yeah, time after time. I mean, we've been alluding to it this whole time, but literally she should be the hero of this movie, not Big Sister. Sophie is the best. That's four times now Sophie has saved the day. We get back to Aggie's place. Further proof that Sophie is the bomb. Marnie doesn't remember the spell, but Sophie does because she turned it into a song. It's a thing she does. When she hears something, she turns it into a song and then she remembers it. So they link hands and they wish really, really hard and they manage to bring Merlin's talisman to life and now they have a working wand to fight off the bad guy. So they get back to the theater and they wave the wand over mom and Aggie, but it doesn't work. That's when Marnie remembers Aggie saying, mortal see, mortal do. So maybe this light is supposed to go inside the pumpkin to light the jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. She gets to the jack-o'-lantern and Luke grabs her and stops her. He swears that he didn't mean for anyone to get hurt. And right now the bad guy has a trap set for her. So he's stopping her to help her. Da-da-da-da! Bad guy appears over the town hall, I think. I mean, the town hall, he's, Some in big front, he's in front of the big pumpkin. Right. My note here is, his constant fan situation is both hilarious, but also effective. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's yeah, just yeah. constantly got a lot of air blowing his cloak around. He's a, he's a airbender. Oh, okay. He reveals himself, and of course, it's the mayor. Okay, let me point out at this point that the rest of the townspeople, he makes a bid to be like, all right, if you follow me, we will be able to take over this world and the human world. And all of a sudden, everybody's kind of down with it. And they're like, yeah, screw this. That took zero persuasion. Absolutely none. I am not going to lie. I missed that. Probably because I was being a court stenographer <laughs> trying to write everything that was happening in this movie. I'm, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. I provide. I appreciate it. That's upsetting news about the townsfolk. Yep. He's in charge. He said that we can do this. Let's go. Yeah. Kill everybody. Yeah. Chill. Okay. <laughs> Bad mayor guy sees Marnie's cloak running through the crowd and he chases after her and he stops her. But ha! It's actually Luke being a decoy in his great redemptive arc. Marnie is actually climbing into the pumpkin to deposit the wand in there. But bad guy still manages to hit her twice with a freeze spell. 
and all hope seems lost. But then she has one of those Harry Potter possessed by Voldemort, but remembering the love of his friends and the love of his family and true happiness and joy. So I'm banishing you and I'm kicking you out. And she rallies enough to drop the talisman in place. And then there is sunlight everywhere and the spell is broken. Oh, by the way, at this moment, everyone in the crowd cheers and is happy that we're not going to kill everyone and take over both worlds. Yep, they're pretty much just going with the flow. <laughs> whoever's, whoever's winning, we're with that guy. <laughs> Mayor Guy is all but hurt because Mom chose a human over him. How dare she? She could have been with such power. Oh. And toxic masculinity ruins the party again, to quote my favorite murder. So he magics the talisman out of the jack-o'-lantern and into his hand. But then Maggie and Mom start chanting a spell against him. And Dylan, little Dylan, is pissed at this guy. And his fingers start getting all sparkly and glowy. And ha-ha! He's a surprise warlock! Yeah, Dylan! So then the whole family joins hands. Hold on, hold on. He denies it. Despite seeing the electricity on his hands... Oh, that was static electricity. I'm not, no, I don't want anything to do with this. You're a goddamn superpower. Listen, give him some time to process. So they all grab hands. They have a great Guardians of the Galaxy moment. They start chanting and humming together. And then it's hard to tell what happens next. Either the talisman burns him up or it sucks him inside. Wait, those sound like details. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell, but long story short, bad guy's gone. Hooray! Yay! Who's mayor now? I don't know. I vote for Skeleton Cabby. Ooh, okay. Then Mom and Marnie have, like, the standard Disney Channel movie parent-child apology. I'm sorry I was mean to you. I'm sorry I didn't understand you. Etc, etc. So they're on good terms. Marnie goes and finds Luke... And he has reverted back to his old face. And he's got a little bit of a goblin-y face. He's got a big nose, really big ears. He got involved with the bad guy because the bad guy made him handsome. And Marnie tells him he became a handsome prince as soon as he said that he was going to help her. And she kisses his cheek. So maybe there's a little Marnie-Luke romance brewing. No pun intended. I mean, we called that as soon as we saw the chain wallet. Obviously. <laughs> So then mom invites Aggie to come live with them in the mortal world and they all pile onto the bus and the town waves goodbye to them like the old days when people would see ships off with, you know, handkerchiefs in their hand waving goodbye. And that is the end of Halloween Town. You know what we didn't say? We didn't say that Sophie's allowed to train as a witch. Oh yeah. Sophie and Marnie both going to become witches and mom is actually going to train Marnie to be a witch. Oh, we Good did job, do that, mom. didn't we? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's my bad. Yeah, no, the movie did it. We just didn't. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Bob. So, on a scale of one to five cauldrons, what would you give Halloween Town? As I said before, Debbie Reynolds did some heavy, heavy lifting. I have an issue with the whole mom thing and the message that we get at the beginning of this movie. We do repent on that, so, you know, it is what it is. I, because of Skeleton Cabbie, I, I'm gonna say a 3 out of 5. Okay. I think I'm gonna go 3.5 out of 5. Okay. I think as far as Disney Channel original movies go, this is about as high quality as you can hope for. Oh. Uh, I mean, 
Well, like, I... No, I no, think... I, I, I get what you're saying. It's just, I always strive for more. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, they're dealing with budgets and time constraints and things like that. Yeah, and, like, I get it. I and think... most of their money was spent on both the skeleton and Debbie Reynolds. So I get it. Right. And this movie, I think, is on par with like the high school musicals and that's a pretty high bar for a little kids movie yeah and considering what they managed to do with their budget the practical effects are really impressive yeah i think the kid actors did a good job especially sophie i thought she was really really good actually i think they were all good debbie reynolds in it to win it like i just think that this is a good solid Disney Channel original movie and I'm happy that it held up because I was a little bit nervous because I knew I loved it as a kid yeah but I hadn't seen it in so long but I think it holds up does it do what it was meant to set out to do absolutely and and as much as I'm gonna you know diss on it and make fun of it and you know that's all good fun radio and and fun to play with they do what they do and they do it well for kids yeah and I think like I said the fact that it's so dense Oh, yeah. Is impressive. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in Quince that could have been cut. This movie, it really could have been a series. Like, what happened in this movie could have been a short TV series. Absolutely. Um, so we will not be rolling for next week because we're going to do prom like we promised. So no roll this week. We do hope you guys will join us in two weeks for our next film review adventure of prom. In the meantime, like us on Facebook at Disney Plus Roulette Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Disney Roulette and on Instagram at Disney Roulette Pod. Or you can shoot us an email at Disney Roulette Podcast at gmail.com. If you dig the show, we'd love a positive rating and review on your podcast platform of your choice. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so at browsehousemedia.com slash store. Thanks as always, Bob, for co-hosting with me, and thank you listeners for joining us. Uh, um, Bob? Look! Grandma's going somewhere with the wiener dude! <laughs>